Hi everyone, this is Anna, and this is my podcast, Anademia, about graduate school from a Black and STEM perspective. So today I have another special guest with me, and his name is Daniel Baji. He is currently a PhD biology student at NYU, and for his undergraduate degree, he actually went to NYU Abu Dhabi, where he was also a biology major and did cancer research. And right now, he's actually in my lab at NYU. So that's how I got him to be here. <laughs> here is Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Anna. So I want to go back, okay. travel back to the beginning. At what first got you into science? That's a good question. I mean, I can't really pinpoint the exact moment or time or experience that got me interested in science. But I'll say like, from junior high school, I've been like, really interested in systems and how things connected like a funny uh anecdote I my parents like to tell people is like when i was younger and i had toys like whenever i got toys i usually like broke them apart like after a week because i wanted to see how everything worked and then i ended up crying because i couldn't figure out anything uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um and so I, I feel like that has been like my passion from a very young age and i actually initially wanted to study engineering because of that but then uh, when I started taking like biology uh, and chemistry classes in junior high school, uh, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. There's like, so much systems in a single cell. And it's like, it was just like so many things, endless possibilities of things. Um, I initially was interested in like studying neurons and everything, neuroscience. Um, and so that's like, that was my passion from uh, junior high school into high school and into college so that's like the beginnings of uh my love quote unquote for science uh, i bet your parents were like why is this kid breaking everything <laughs> oh, that yeah, i give they, him they got very tired of it after uh, it got it got very tiring pretty quickly because it's like i break mine and i cry and i take my sisters and then like after a week again i break it again uh <laughs> Uh, thinking like maybe this time I'd figure out how everything worked. Oh yeah, I never, I never figured it out because it's just a, a bunch of tiny like pieces, like plastic pieces, and I'm like, what is this? What does this do? How does it move? I can't tell. Um, yeah, so it was a very <laughs> tiring experience for my parents. So where like did you grow up with your parents? Uh, I grew up in Nigeria in the south of uh, Nigeria. It's a state called uh, Edo State. Um, I, I grew up in a small town as well, so where is that small town boy? Um, oh, how did that like influence your interest in science? Like, did your parents encourage you after you were breaking everything? <laughs> like, can you go read a book about science and not like break these toys? Uh, no, I, my my mom is a nurse, so she works uh, in the community health uh, centers around town, and so like being it's like it's like also like a cultural thing in a sense right because like being a medical doctor back home is like it's like the thing yeah uh, the thing to be and yeah like to to stop me from breaking everything uh, i guess like my parents did recommend uh you know maybe read a book or two uh well actually i i i wasn't really into reading books i was more into drawing things uh, but like that got me away from breaking toys uh well i guess like just like growing up around like uh health kind of environment with my mom and everything um so that's 
I, I was able to like I, I decided to channel that like curiosity for how things worked into more of like the health and science perspective um and also because like medicine was a big thing back home so like everything just came together and yeah so what made you go into a research route instead of doing uh, med school <sighs> Uh, yeah, so this was, like, as early as sophomore year in college, actually, uh, you know, like, they, they tell you if you want to go to med school, you have to start thinking early, and it is second year, I had to start thinking early of, like, the MCATs, like, schools to apply to, and uh, at that time, I was looking more into, like, med schools in the U.S., which... Yeah, it didn't really do well for me because, like, it's such a pain for an international student to, A, even get into a med school, and B, get any sort of funding. And so, like, all those things combined, I'm like, well, yeah, med school isn't, like, I just lost interest because also it's a very long uh, time commitment, right? And I feel like if you don't have, like, infinite passion for it, like, you wouldn't be able to make it through the entire thing. And I started to question, like, why exactly did I want to do, like, med school do i just like science or do i really just want to go into like medicine and everything and i couldn't really convince myself to like med school was the way to go per se so i decided to try something else that's when i started talking to professors about research and yeah here i am phd (laughs) that's great so like growing up since you grew up in nigeria like how was that transition different going from the Nigerian education to being an international student, was mm. there any like thing that was taught in Nigeria that like you didn't use that much in America or like vice versa? There are like more specific, like specific classes, like government related, um, that's like history, also history related, like so that's like specific to the country and everything. But I guess like one, the uh, distinction I would say like that stands out to me once I think of it is I feel like back home like the education system is very focused you know it's it's not as like liberal artsy as a lot of like uh, US colleges uh, even the non-liberal art colleges are because uh, like you have to know what you want to do because it's like a sort of rigid certain stone sort of schedule so like, let's say you want to do like some sort of engineering, chemical engineering, for example, like you have to take some specific classes from high school, like in high school to be able to like satisfy the requirement to take like introductory classes in college. And so like you have to know from the get go like, what you want to go into and just like stick to it. I mean, there is room for changes, but it's not as there's not the room isn't wide enough. Like you can change from some form of engineering to another form, but like you can't. I, mean, I guess you can, but it's super hard to, like, let's say if you decide, oh, I'm not into engineering or science anymore, STEM, I just want to do, I don't know, philosophy now. Uh, at that point, it might be, like, a bit too late for that. Um, but at least from my college education uh, experience, it was, like, I knew people who, even in junior year, switched from being biology majors to philosophy majors. Like, so uh, I guess that, like, flexibility isn't, as common back home. Um, yeah, when you were talking about switching from engineering to engineering, but not being able to yeah. like switch to like something completely different, it kind of reminded me of in college, like basically freshman year, if you're undecided, it's whatever, get your gen eds out of the way, <laughs> just do you. But once you hit 
junior year、mm-hmm. or even like second half of sophomore year, it's like, oh man, I'm basically wasted like a year and I would have to start from the beginning. That's how you get what is known as super seniors yeah, yeah. who like say five years in college. I don't know, four years was enough for me. I was like, <laughs> I'm stressed. I need to. Finish this off, but that kind of reminded me of that. So、mm. that was very interesting. So, speaking of college,、uh-huh. how was the transition from Nigeria to NYU Abu Dhabi? Why did you choose to go to NYU Abu Dhabi instead of NYU New York City campus originally?、Mm. Uh, I guess like the biggest thing was like the financial aid. Because、uh, like, I got a very, I was lucky, I got a very generous aid from、um, Abu Dhabi. And also, it's a, it's a super unique like, college experience as well. Because,、uh, I mean, here in New York, you hear people use the word diverse. And、uh, I guess, like, in a sense, they're usually right, right. But I don't think you can get as right as you would find diversity in. And while you're with Abu Dhabi, like you have people from over 150 countries, even more than that. I'm just like being on the、um, lower side. And just having so many people from so many different cultures, and like you get, and most times the classes are very small. Like you have classes of on average like 10, 12 people.、Uh, so basically, you know everyone in the class.、Uh, And so, having this kind of interactions on a day to day basis with people from so many different places, it's like it's a whole learning experience as well.、Uh, and that, so the class size, the small class size, meaning I don't have to, or you don't have to like fight for resources per se. And also, like the financial aid and the location, it was closer to home.、Uh, I got to go back home like once a year, even more than that, actually. How long was the flight?、Uh, eight hours, I think. Oh, okay. So that's、yeah. not bad because. I've been to Los Angeles before,、uh-huh. and that's like six hours nonstop. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's eight hours nonstop. Sometimes, like, like with like transits, like it, the total、uh, time comes down to like 10, but that's at most 10 hours.、Um, like, comparison to if I were to fly to New York, I think like nonstop, which I've only taken once from Nigeria, I think it's, that was like what, 15, 16 hours.、Um, and so it was closer to home. Good funding, great campus, a small like, community,、um, like, nice relationship with like, professors because like, they are teaching classes with 10 people. It's super easy to know everyone. What about like, gen eds or general biology classes? Because usually、uh, those are huge. Okay, so、uh, we didn't have that. We had, we had a different system which was called Foundations of Science, and it's very It's a notorious course. Like, everyone knows it. Like, people like dread FOS. Like, that's,、uh, that's the acronym for it. But it, so the idea was like, which in retrospect, I really appreciate the idea. It's like, instead of having like, you taking Bio 101 and Chem 101 or Physics 101 in like isolation, because a lot of biology needs chemistry and also physics, of course, biophysics. Like,、um, and so the idea was to have like this course that integrates all. Um, all of the sciences together. So they built the syllabus. So it has six modules. It's、uh, FOS one to six, and you take it across three semesters. So you take two modules per semester. So each, of, each module is seven weeks. And if, you, if you're doing engineering, then you, on, you only need to take the first four modules. 
um, if you're doing any other STEM, um, so like pure sciences, chemistry, um, physics, biology, then you do all six modules. Uh, the first two are physics and chemistry, the next two are physics, chemistry, biology, the last two are just physics and biology. Uh, so it's it's different from like the classical bio 101 versus chem 101 because you're doing like you're doing physics and chemistry at the same time you're also doing labs and you have assignments for both of them uh, which turns out to be a lot of work that's why a lot of people don't really like if you say fos like people start like having breakdowns uh how many years do you have to take fos i mean, I mean it's three semesters right so like one year and a half okay. if you're doing engineering it's only two semesters because you only do uh, FOS 1 to 4. Um, when you think about it, that's kind of less than taking the general bios and chemistries and physics yeah. separately. Because I remember I was taking all of those things up through junior year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I started. So I did the last two modules the spring of my sophomore year, I think. Um, yeah, so it, it ends up being a lot of work in the semester because like, especially for like FYS three and four, where you're doing bio, physics and uh, chemistry at the same time, it's like, it's hectic. Uh, but I feel like it's a good idea. Uh, I just, maybe the structure needs a little more work, but I, I really, like right now looking back, I really appreciate like having done it because now, just looking at how like the the syllabus for like principles of biology which is basically bio 101 and you have things like chemical bonds uh, but like you're not going into details you're just like breezing through it just so people can understand hydrogen bonding when you come to dna and protein folding right but if like the way i learned it with foundation of science i was doing chemical bonds and at the same time we're doing like lipids and biomolecules right so like one, like let's say on Monday, I have chemistry class about chemical bonding, covalent bonds, hydrogen bonds, and whatever. And then the week, or the same week on Wednesday, I have the biology class on biomolecules. And I'm like, oh shit, that's what I learned on Monday, right? So uh, it was very, it was very fluid, right? It made everything made, make sense. Although this is all in retrospect, at the moment, it was a lot of work. I hated it. Uh, <laughs> Yo, those is general, all the general classes, I was just like, can I get to a specific topic, please? Oh I need to get God. into, it like, is, the subject of biology I'm interested in. It is so much work, just because, like, every professor thinks, like, their part was the only part that... So it's like, you have the physics professor being like, oh, you have this assignment and this due next week, and the same week you have the biology professor saying the same thing, but, like, it's the same class, right? It's meaning you have... You end up having like four assignments and then you also have lab uh, components as well so yeah i mean like i get why a lot of people don't like the the cost structure but again it's easy to speak in retrospect uh, as always um but for those classes the, even the class sizes weren't that bad like for my session force one and two had at most 20 something people yeah, that's not a lot. Yeah, so it's it's still not a lot. And like it, it keeps going down because some people end up deciding, oh wait, I don't want to do science anymore. Uh, and like past FOS one and four, one to four, where you have the engineering uh, engineering students not taking FOS anymore. So then like the class size becomes even way smaller. My FOS five and six 
class had like eight people. It's very, very small class sizes. How did you get into research outside of class? What made you choose cancer research first? Uh, it, is, it is just a professor. Uh, so I guess like they, there was no official process. So it's just like you knew all the professors that like did bio research and you just like, I don't know, send an email and be like, oh, professor, I'm interested in this. Can I uh, meet with you this week to talk about like possibilities of like, you know, doing research in your lab and like you get to hear the projects they're working on and if they have like maybe some available, uh, I don't know, something available for you to do that aligns with your interests. Uh, and so my, um, I work with this professor, Professor Mazen Magzub, and he's a biophysicist, uh, but he also does like primarily cancer uh, research and also uh, neuroge- neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, and he's a very cool professor. Like I had him for one of my uh, FOS uh, modules. And so I was like, get an email with Professor Mazin. And yeah, we talked and it was like, yeah, we can do some cancer research stuff. So uh, did he encourage you to apply for a PhD? Uh, it wasn't like encouraging per se. Like, we did have conversations about like what's next. Uh, so he was like a good mentor as well. So he was, uh, he made sure I, like, I knew about programs and resources for like programs to apply to. So he also like connected me with like uh, lab alumni who have gone into either masters or PhD programs. And he just like laid out everything out in front of me. and was like, yeah, it's up to me to decide um, what is it I was going to do. So knew I was going to do research, but like, at the end of my undergraduate career program, uh, I wasn't sure if I, was, if I wanted to go directly into the PhD because I also like had the option, like in my head, I was also thinking of like biotech. So I also applied for master's programs as well. So during the application process and like the time between applying and getting like the decisions back, I was like, okay, I might as well just go straight into uh, PhD program because it was looking more and more likely that I was going to end up doing a PhD at the end of the day. So I might as well just get it done. Uh, like might as well just go straight into it uh, instead of doing a master's and then end up doing a PhD as well. So I, at least that was, that was my thought process at the time. Where'd you apply? For PhD programs, uh, funnily, uh, funny enough, I only applied to NYU, but for master's programs, I applied to uh, two Erasmus programs. Um, it's the, so they're like uh, programs in the in the EU, and they're like usually two years, and you spend a year at a different uh, location in the EU. Uh, so one of them was in uh, it's like research, but for practical applications. The program was mainly like about developing um, so drug delivery systems, which is basically what I did for undergrad. So like liposomes, nanoparticles, and all of that. Um, and I think the program was between. Um, Italy and France or something like that uh, and then there are, there's another program which is super similar as well uh, so I applied to like three of those Erasmus uh, science programs and yeah I did get into all three of them but I only got funding for two yeah um, that's the thing about master's programs the funding is iffy yeah. for example I applied for multiple master's programs mm-hmm. and some only offer like half off of the tuition i was like what am i supposed to do with this 50 percent education discount <laughs> absolutely not and then that's essentially why i chose nyu because yeah. that was the school that gave me full funding so i was like okay you got my vote 
Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like for for masters, like I didn't even look to the US because like it's way easier to get funding for masters in Europe than to get funding for masters in the US. That's what I heard. A lot of people from the US、mm-hmm. do their masters overseas、yeah. because it's cheaper, and I was like, what? I never do, but I'm happy. Like I like NYU, and obviously you do too because you <laughs> stayed here. <laughs> like you went from Abu Dhabi to New York City campus. <laughs> What was that like moving? Very very different places, but、uh, I had been. I did a semester and three weeks. So I did three weeks first because it's like a, it's a short January term course. I did that in 2017. Is it 2016? Good time flies. Twenty twenty seventeen in January, and then I did a semester in spring of twenty eighteen, and、uh, so like I had spent like some time in New York, so I was kind of used to like the very tiny New York things, like using the subway and like New York streets,、uh, and so like like moving now wasn't that big of a deal for me because I'm like oh it's just like it's another another day in New York City.、Uh, Well, like, yeah, it's it's different places.、Uh, they all have they both have their ups and downs. But yeah, excited to be here, I guess. So you kind of knew what to expect going in. You weren't just like, oh, this is gonna be. Now I'm trying to think of some New York City set movies. Now I'm blanking. What are some movies set in New York City、Literally、that everyone? Every, every Netflix show is、oh, in New York City. <laughs> that's true. You know what first came into my head? Have you ever seen the movie New York Minute with、no. Mary Kate and Ashley? No, I haven't. Okay, listeners, go on whatever <laughs> streaming site and watch New York Minute because I feel like that is essential New York City content. Yeah, I think also basically every. Netflix. Yeah, literally, I I can't think of like one of them that isn't set in New York City. It's like what what's what's the one with the creepy guy? You, yeah, it's New. Oh City yeah,、well. that was season one. <laughs> oh, that was. You know, I'm glad New York City is not like that. But that was unrealistic because. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm like, who doesn't have blinds? That's exactly what、and、I was like, gonna say. Oh no, wait, who does this in New York City? Literally,、so. that I live on the third floor of my apartment, and I still be closing these curtains because no one's getting a free show, <laughs> not in my house.、Uh, so, you obviously were familiar, yeah, with the New York City scene. What would you say was the hardest part, like going through that transition? Because I'm sure there had to be some hard things, you know. With for me specifically, finding an apartment、yeah. was the main thing.、Uh, yeah, I mean the apartment thing. Like finding it for me wasn't difficult. It's just like the entire application process. For I feel like for for international students, it's such a pain because like if you don't have a social security number, then everything just becomes like ten times more difficult. Because、uh, they're asking for like. I don't know, ten thousand more documents to show that you're not gonna like. I don't know, not pay your rent. Even if like you, even if you provide like proof of income, they still want like some guarantor with a specific set uh, uh, income limit. Or like, I don't know, it's it, it was like the application process was more way more difficult than finding the apartment. Like finding an apartment was relatively easy. It was a bit stressful because I was like searching for apartments like at. The final, like during the final weeks of、uh, senior year for me, senior spring, and I just went on Facebook. There's a bunch of like Facebook groups, like housing groups,、uh, housing around NYU, 
NYU sublets and all of that. And I was just like day to day scrolling through, seeing postings and like judging based on my budget and like location and everything. And I think within two weeks, I found like a place with other NYU grad students as well. So that was, that was nice. Uh, just the application process took a while, but, and also moving in to the apartment, like I, I totally forgot the apartment was going to be unfurnished and I just like, oh no, I just flew in with my luggage and I'm like, yeah, boy, let's get in. <laughs> and, and I walked into my room and it was empty and I was like, holy shit, yes, I need the mattress, I need, I need all of this. But like my roommates were like super nice. They actually saved like uh, an air mattress for me. So I got something to sleep on the first couple of weeks before. I purchased everything, but that was super funny. Like I, I didn't realize until I walked into the apartment that it was in French. So um, lesson learned: <laughs> find an apartment that's furnished, like the roommates are leaving stuff. Or another thing that is useful in New York is finding a sublet. Mm -hmm. So like they already have their bed, dresser, and you just move right on in. That one's also easier because you don't have to sign a lease. Yeah. Like you do sign a agreement saying that you're going to pay the rent and everything, but you don't like basically write your mm -hmm. life over signing <laughs> a lease. Like you have to stay here for like yeah, X I to X. Yeah, I just I just wanted like my own place, like and also like don't some, we all some, some, some sense of security? You know, I didn't want to be like under someone i guess like signing under someone's name and then the person just like goes crazy one day i, I don't know I, I i overthink things sometimes so that was my thought process i'm like i want my own place now you're all settled in new york city first year of phd out of the way <laughs> how do you cope with living so far away from home have you been able to go back and visit uh no i haven't gone home but like it's it's something i'm used to because i went to boarding school so i was like away from home so I've been living away from home for over eight years now, even more. I I don't remember like how long, but it's been it's been a long time. And so like I've actually, I'm kind of used to being away. My family is also used uh, to having me away from home. But like I usually call, especially my younger siblings, to check in every now and then. Uh, so my parents. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much you can do. You just have to like make sure you keep in touch and. Yeah, we have technology. <laughs> You got the FaceTime, yeah. iMessage, yeah. all that. So, oh wait, you have an Android. Yeah, I don't, He's I, I don't do Apple. It's it's really. We're not that's, doing that's, controversial that's, opinions that's, on this podcast. Okay, I, I, I'm happy to rant about why, but I guess no. For this another is, time. This is we're being podcast. recorded on a Mac. Well, I don't need the government like listening in, coming after me. So we're gonna move on to what are your favorite and least favorite parts of being in New York City now? Uh, I don't know. I'm the, I'm the wrong person to ask that. I just stay at home and stare at my computer screen all day. How about like school wise? Do you think it makes a big difference doing your PhD here than if you had done it in a small town. Yeah, I mean for sure, like right? because there's also a bunch of like other schools with like solid bio PhD programs around, right? Like you have the um, Columbia, you have what's it called? How do you pronounce it? Sloan Kettering, uh, yeah, and all of that, and also like with NYU, you have all the seminars and all like the meetings where you have people from 
uh, other universities or like other programs in the US coming to give talks and these are people who are like pretty well known in your field or like they're doing super interesting stuff in your field uh, so I feel like here I have more opportunities to like make connections and networks um, like with people in the field than if it were to be like in some small town or like small region yeah. kind of um, place so I think that's a plus yeah, well, I guess like something else that's just like coming from uh, a a small town, moving to like a college with a very tight knit community. Like I'm used to like like I, back in college, I had like my friends right right next door, right. So moving here, it's a New York City. It's a big city. So there's like I guess that was one thing that was difficult to transition to to like this tight knit sort of community kind of environment to New York City where like no one gives a shit. Um, facts so it's yeah that was that was i guess that was the biggest even if i even if i'd been here uh but like the, the, the times i was here i was still a college student so i most times i had my friends around uh and so like moving here as an independent having to like find my own apartment and all of that and like actually leaving here like leaving leaving and not just like studying here for a semester uh actually making that transition in like mindset of like not having like best friend right next door um yeah that was that was a that's a downside i guess to living here in a sense for me what about the nyu program what's your like favorite part of being a phd student in biology at nyu uh, i know you mentioned the seminars like like yeah uh i guess like i don't know i Something I would say, like the main reason I actually applied was because I had no idea what I wanted to do for like um, for a PhD. Because PhD is a long time, like five years is like at least actually at least five years is no joke. And I mean, I could have just applied for some program in cancer research, but like I did not want to just lock myself into one field. Uh, I mean, I did I did cancer research for two years in. Uh, in college and I was pretty comfortable in like in terms of like I don't know splitting cells like working with like cell lines and everything but at the same time I felt like just basing my decision on two years of experience is very um, short-sighted and so I wanted to have um, I, I wanted to do a PhD but at the same time I wanted to have the chance to like explore in a sense like uh, things I'm interested in so and also like yeah at the end of for some reason at the end of my college uh, uh years i was like i became very interested in like computational methods just because like i started reading papers and a lot of them were using these very fancy next gen seek methods and i was like i want to get in on this uh but i had no like i did stats in college but that's as, as far as my computational skills went so I also wanted like a program that was very computational heavy uh, because I want I, I wanted to see if I would want to do like a purely computational uh, PhD program as well uh, so that was like and also like the rotations uh, rotation system here fitting perfectly with like both requirements so I got a chance to kind of like jump from lab to lab and uh, the way I picked my rotation labs were kind of like on the spectrum of molecular bio to computational bio so i picked three labs along across that spectrum the first lab i rotated in was like super like molecular and cell and the last lab I rotated in was like purely computational and then the second lab was in between 
So that like that way I got to like get a taste of oh no it was again it's not like holistic and it's like purely holistic but it still gave me a pretty good idea of what it would be to I don't know be doing five years of research with just like computational services just molecular and cell. Um so I guess like that like having the option to have these rotations before deciding which lab was like a big thing for me for coming here to NYU. And now he's in my <laughs> lab, folks. And we do genomics, genetics. We're looking at the worms with C. elegans. And he came from <laughs> doing cancer biology to this life. So I think the PhD is really helping you expand. <laughs> like, just like you said, it really has given you that opportunity based yeah. on the lab you're in now, my lab. So, well, now it's our lab, it's not mine, but you know what I mean. This is gonna be maybe a hard question to answer mm -hmm. from based on what you said mm -hmm. about not really knowing what you were initially wanting to do yeah. in PhD, but do you have an idea of what the future holds for you after PhD is done? Uh, no, no, I, I do not. There's nothing wrong with that. Whether you're entering a PhD at like 60 or whether you're entering it at like 15, you still all go through the same five like hard years. And you don't know, like things could happen, things can change, life happens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's okay not to have everything figured out. I feel like a, most people don't and that's one of the perks of a PhD because it gives you the time yeah, to figure that out instead of just like jumping into a career and then mm -hmm. maybe you deciding, oh, this isn't for me, I wanna do more. So do you have any advice for other like international PhD students, something you wish you had known before coming to school in the US? Uh, I guess like, I haven't even figured this out myself, but it's something I'd have to figure out, which I think it's not it's not even international student specific, but I guess everyone struggles with it, is like taxes, right? Because I like paying taxes and everything, because depending on your um, like scholarship structure, like at some point in time, you'd be getting paid from your PI's funding, and that for that, you have to report taxes on it. Uh, and so, like, like, asking and figuring out from the get-go when this time, like, when this is going to happen and, like, what do you have to do when this happens, I think, like, it's going to save you a lot of stress and it's going to save you time. It's going to make your life way better um, because right now I don't even know what I'm supposed to do uh, in terms of, like, fighting taxes. So... Yeah, that's my one thing. Figure out how to file taxes and your life is going to be guaranteed two times better. Uh, wow, that is good <laughs> advice because honestly, I don't even know how to file taxes. I, 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 I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, is this, is this tax? Is this not tax? And I'm just like... My mom always told me that one thing <laughs> that you should invest money in is paying someone to do your taxes. Oh, I don't want My mom told me even when she was dead broke, she would pay someone to do her taxes so that she didn't yeah. lose money. And I was like, well, it does make sense. So that's basically what I've been doing since I started being an adult. That was like one adult tip. So thank you for coming on, Daniel. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. And 
I'll see you in lab, of course. It was nice to have you're actually my first male guest on the podcast, right? Exciting. First one. So shout out anyone who wants to be the next one up, man, non-binary. This podcast is all inclusive. So if you want to follow Daniel, his handle is Daniel underscore Obaji, and I'm going to leave that information in the show notes yeah. if you want to see more of Daniel and his science of what he's interested in. So thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>